couple scriptures we're going to look at today. And the first one is 1 Peter. 1 Peter is one of the of two books written by Peter himself, one of Jesus' uh, um, disciples. And uh, you never know what God will do, will do with you. That's why I love reading the book of Peter. Uh, because Peter was a thug. Peter was from the east side. Peter was was not. He was a cussing fisher. He had a, he had a gun. He had a knife. He would stab you. He would cut you. He would cuss you out. That was Peter. And God can take a Peter and turn him into a church planner and an author. So I love reading what God, what Peter writes, because Peter's got some experience. Peter's got some teardrops on his tattooed on his face, right? Peter, Peter's got some some past and some history, and and he wants to help people because he's coming from a place that he knows he's not perfect. He knows the things that he struggled with, and he's like, I'm going to keep it real with you. And we're going to read uh, something from First uh, Peter chapter three, uh, verses three through one through chapter. Sorry, First Peter chapter one, uh, verses three through five. Here's what Peter says. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. We've been born again. When you make the decision to follow God, you give your life to him. He is saying you are getting reborn. You are starting over from scratch. You're starting with a new heart, a new way of living. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's why we can be born again. Because nothing could defeat Jesus. Jesus defeated death in the grave. And so nothing prevents us from being born again. Nothing can keep us from being born again. And he says, now we live with great expectation. Someone say expectation. We're supposed to live with expectation. We're supposed to live believing things are going to happen. Not bad things. We're not supposed to have a fearful expectation. We're supposed to be believing that something that God wants for us is going to happen. We're supposed to live with expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Defiled. You don't have to wait on social security. You don't have to depend on a, a 401k. You don't have to depend on a Roth IRA. It's good to leave an inheritance on this earth. But there is an inheritance waiting for us in heaven that nothing can corrupt. If you don't ever become wealthy or noticed or influential on this earth, just know that you are in, ready to receive an inheritance that comes from the Father. So as it's kept in heaven and through your faith, God is protecting you. Someone say protecting you. God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation. Did you hear what that says? In other words, God has a promise for you and he knows how good we are at messing up promises. He says, I'm not going to let you just live on your own. I'm not going to let you mess it up. I'm actually going to protect you until you receive it. See, if you were a shouting people, this would be a good place to shout. God says, I got something for you, and I'm going to keep you from messing it up. That sounds like good news to me. Which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So I want to pray, and I want to preach a message called, Don't Fight the Feeling. 
Don't fight the feeling. Father, thank you so much for your promises, for your goodness, for your word, for everything that you have for us. We love you. We look forward to what you want to say to us today. And I pray for those who need to make a next step. I pray for those who are already responding, already feeling something inside of them. They're saying, I need to make a decision to do what God wants me to do today. I pray that you'll give them that power. And when the appeal is made today, may they come running to the front. May they stand boldly, unashamed, and say, thank you, God, for what you have for me. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. So for all of our little ones, all of our Hope City heroes, we're excited about next week because next week is Hope City Heroes. That means your service is right. Listen, the the Hope City Hero team cannot wait for you to come next week. They got some fun, exciting things. I'm mad. I want to go to Hope City Heroes. I want to join the team. I think I might do that one week, have somebody else preach, and me get the chance to go hang out over there because they got snacks and toys and games and lots of fun things. And so today you have another episode of Hope City Heroes just for you. Hope City Heroes. Amen. Hope City TV is their own programming. And let me tell you something. As we've been doing this and that team has been developing these episodes, we have seen an opportunity that we want you to pray about. We are seeing that there are not a lot of programming um, and, and especially music that's original and that has the kids that look like our kids in the videos represented. And we are working on original content for those kids. Some of the songs that we write, some of the songs that are out there so your kids can enjoy because we run into a lot of copyright issues. You know, we can't just use people's songs. So we got we to do our own thing. But I'm really excited for what the team is planning. So if you have a child who wants to watch Hope City Heroes today, you can watch it either right on our app, the New Movement app, or you can go straight to our YouTube page. Guess what? Last time I mentioned that, we got eight more subscribers. So I think we only need eight more. I think we have 92. I think we only need eight more subscribers, and then you can easily search New Movement, and we'll pop up. Right now, you have to do New Movement, Pasco, because of the algorithms. You have to have 100 subscribers and stuff like that. But you can either find it by searching New Movement, Pasco. You can find uh, new, uh, our webpage there if you want to do it on YouTube. And if you need some headphones, please raise your hands. Parents, let them borrow your device. And raise your hand, and our Hope City Hero team are coming to bring you the headphones right now. So just keep those hands up, and they will bring you. Now, you do have permission, if you don't want to hear me preach today, to have some headphones and to watch it, too, if you want. We will give you that permission. We're not going to discourage anybody. In fact, today, that's what I want to do. Here's what I love about this weekend, first of all. This is the Memorial Weekend, Right? This is the weekend where people like to go out of town. People like to go party. But you know what? You guys came to church today. No, I said you came to church this weekend on Memorial Weekend because you are holy and you are righteous. And we need to pray for everybody else because I'm concerned about them. No, I'm just kidding. But I am glad that you are here. You are the VIP crowd. And you know that God has a word for you today. So what I want to do today is I really want to encourage you. I want to encourage me. Today is all about encouragement. And the, what I want to encourage you in 
is I want to encourage you in your walk. A lot of you are new to God or you're new to your faith experience. You're starting from scratch. Maybe you grew up one way with practicing a different uh, type of religious practice, and now you're trying to see what this is all about, and there's things that are new to you. And one of the things I wished when I was a young believer is people would explain to me what in the world was happening to me. Because it seemed like every time I make a step for the better, it seemed like things were getting worse. Anybody ever felt like that? Like the moment you try to do right, it's like everything goes wrong. Like the moment you try to actually do the right thing or think the right thoughts, or do, it's like it gets worse. You get worse news. Or you just things just seem to fall apart. But I want to encourage you, and for those of you who've been here a while, like let me just say it this way. I love to teach the Bible. Like that's really my favorite thing. Like I know I preach. But I love to teach the Bible. I, I, I mean, man, if I had an hour with you, it would probably turn into three or four hours because I love teaching scripture. And there's some things that I wish I had more time and I don't have a lot of time in this, form, in this setting to teach you. But one of the things that's really important for you to understand in your Christian walk is how, what the, the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you. When you say, Jesus, I want you to lead me in my life. I want you to be the lead. That's really what it means to accept God as your Savior means. You're saying, I need help. First of all, I can't save myself. I'm a hot mess. I'm dysfunctional. I'm crazy. And if you don't think you're dysfunctional, that's dysfunctional. So everybody needs uh, some help, especially divine help, because as a human race, We have a problem. We have a virus. We have an error. We are not living the way God intended us to live. And that's what the whole plan of salvation is, to come and redeem fallen humanity and to really start a new life when Jesus comes again. And that's when you ever hear people talk about heaven, going to heaven. Heaven's not really a place that you go to when you die. It's actually the inheritance that we read. It's the new heaven and the new earth that's going to be created. This is in the book of Revelation that when Jesus comes again, he's going to come to destroy sin, destroy pain, death. All of those things will be all washed away and we will be renewed. Our actual bodies will be renewed. We'll have a, and we'll be with the Lord forevermore. We'll have eternal life. And we won't have eternal life with glasses, right, and hip replacements and stuff like that and weave and all that stuff. We ain't going to have all of that. We're going to have brand new. We, everything's going to be brand new. Let me tell you something. I'm going to look good in heaven. It's going to be a problem because I'm going to be looking good. And I'm going to have my mansion right next to Missy's, and we're going to sit there and sit on the porch and wave to you as you go by in heaven. I don't know what's going to happen in heaven, but, but right now, the Holy Spirit is still working on us. We're not left alone. And so I want to encourage you today because some things you might think are bad, that's going wrong, are actually going right. The very fact that you are aware of certain things means that the Holy Spirit is working on you. That's what I want to encourage you with today. Now, one of the things you hear me talk about all the time is next steps, right? You hear me talk about this all the time. You hear people up front talk about it all the time. And I want you to know, first of all, that next steps is not just a name that's on this connect card. This is really just a connect card that you can fill out, especially if you're visiting. 
You can do it on our app. That's not, this is not a next steps card. Next steps is something we believe in here. Because everybody always has a next step. You never just arrive. God, what, as God is working on you, you always get better. There's always something that you need to do. There's always a next steps decision. Now, we talk about some big next steps that some of you decide to do, like give your life to Jesus or get baptized or whatever it is, or join a group or join a team. Those are pivotal things that we've identified that are healthy for you in your Christian walk, right? To give your life to Jesus, to be baptized. These are things that are a part of the walk, but everybody has a next step. And it's not just in church, right? How many of you have been married uh, or have been in a long-term relationship? You already know that when you say, I do, you're not just having a wedding, right? It's just not, I do and I'm good. No, you are committed to next steps. As a parent or as a person raising children in your home, you are always committing to what's my next step, and you're really managing everybody else's next step. And giving them a safe environment to make that next step. And so following God means you always have a next step because God is always working on your heart and to change the things that you cannot see. Now, we read a little bit from this text in uh, 1 Peter. I broke it down a little bit. I'll put it back on the screen for a second. But I want to go to verse 5. As Peter was teaching, he says, and through your faith, he talked about the inheritance that we have. He talked about being born again. He says, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. Salvation he's talking about is the completed salvation. As I mentioned, the end of the story, when Jesus comes again and we receive the final chapter of it, when everything's renewed. He says, which is uh, revealed on the last day, which he says right there. He talks about God protecting you by his power to receive salvation. And one of the words I love back in verse 3 was that Peter talks about now that we must live with great expectation. Great expectation. We're not any different than anybody else that doesn't believe in God or go to church. We're we're at the core, we're not any different. What's different about us is the decisions that we make based on who's leading us. And we have decided that our Savior Jesus should lead us. And so when we are led by him, what that means is that we have a different set of expectations. We expect things to happen, and they're different. Now, when you live without God... You are always expecting things to happen. And a lot of those things are based on fear. Can we be honest? We expect people to break up with us. We expect people to talk about us. We expect not to have no money, right? We expect this, this, and that. But the expectation that God is talking about is based on something that we are looking forward to. And when you have an expectation, you can feel something. Right. When you have a true expectation, you feel it. You feel it. So here, here, let me just break. Let me just be a little transparent about me. So I have a little bit of a problem with working. Let me say it this way. I don't always know how to rest. I, I move at a very fast pace of life. Have you ever noticed that? 
Like you'll be walking around the corner. I have a whole different set of clothes on and then I'll change and I'll be outside. I mean, I just move fast. And one thing that I have to remember and recognize is when I'm supposed to rest and relax. And I had the opportunity, we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to go on a little vacay, right? We took a couple days off. Y'all should be excited about that thing. You don't have to be excited. You wasn't there. I was there. And here's the thing, like, I was actually looking forward to it. Not that I shouldn't, but I actually was to the point that the expectation of the trip changed the way I saw what happened before the trip. Because I had some real stressful things happen before the trip. Very stressful. And I kept telling myself, it's all right, because we're going on vacation. No, that's cool. It's, it's going to be all right because we're getting ready to go somewhere. And when we're going, can't nobody call us and can't nobody get a hold of us. We're going on vacation. And so this is kind of what Peter is talking about. He's saying when you're living with an expectation of something that's coming, you feel a certain way. You feel different. When you're living with the spirit inside of you, you feel something different. That's what I'm talking about today. Don't fight the feeling. I love what Peter explains to us as he teaches us in verse 5. He says, God is protecting you by his power. And the fact that he's protecting us means that we're at risk. The fact that God needs to protect us means we're at risk. Here's where we're at risk at. Becoming distracted from our inheritance. Right? Getting locked in on something else. Forgetting about what we have coming. Forgetting about the life that God wants for us. That's better than the life that we can actually give ourselves. We can tend to forget and be distracted by it and do something else. He protects us from being discouraged with right now. Because right now isn't always good. It's later. When you have an expectation, I'm going on vacation. Right now, looking at these 150 unopened emails, that's not good. And, and, and so the temptation is to get discouraged by that, right? And start dwelling on right now. Another one is becoming too dependent on your own strength, right? Some of us are hustlers. I know the hustlers. I know a hustler when I see one, right? And a hustler is trying to make it happen, right? I'm serious. Every minute, every second, a hustler is trying to make it happen. And it's really easy to become dependent on your own strength. If you try to take an inventory, how many things in your life would keep going if you couldn't do it? Start thinking about it. Maybe I'm relying on my own strength. Because you know what happens sometimes? Sickness happens. Disappointment happens. Stuff pops up. And then you find yourself shook because you were depending on your own strength. And God says, look, I need to protect you from that. And here's the way God protects us, as I mentioned earlier. God sends us the Holy Spirit. And I want to go to John chapter 16 and read a little bit about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Let's go. I'm going to pull it up on my old school, my old school analog Bible, because I'm trying to get my Bible flipping skills back, right? I'm so so good with the digital thing. I'm, I'm I'm a little slow on that. So John 16, chapter, uh, verse 5. This is what Jesus says. He was telling his disciples, he was telling us, I'm going away to the one who sent me, 
and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, someone say the advocate, won't come. And if I go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So the Holy Spirit is a part of what you want to call the big three, right? This is like on any team, you got the big three, right? This is the big three in heaven. This is the God, the old school uh, theological language, the Trinity, right? The Godhead. And so as Jesus explains, he's going back to the one who sent him, which is the Father. Jesus was sent by the Father to us. So Jesus is going back to the Father to be our advocate. To the Father. He is completing the work of salvation. He's saying, I'm going back to heaven and I'm going to make sure all the books are straight. I'm going to make sure everyone is judged accordingly. So when I return again, it's going to be fair. That's what he's doing. He's advocating on our behalf. But the Holy Spirit is being sent to us in exchange. It's a high five. So the Holy Spirit comes to the earth. Here's the best way that Jesus calls it, calls him an advocate. In other words, the Holy Spirit is God's advocate to us. Okay, let me rewind it real quick. Okay, so Jesus is like our attorney, right? He represents us. He represents on our behalf on the courts of heaven because God's law is God's law. And what you're guilty of is what you're guilty of. And Jesus is your attorney saying, I know that they're guilty of this. They are, in fact, guilty of this. We're not going to change that. We're not going to change the law. However, this individual is my client. And I have already served the time for their crime. And therefore, God says, cool, that's your client. They're acquitted. That's That's how that works. But the Holy Spirit is God's advocate to you. It's his representative on behalf of him defending his case to you. Because in your sinfulness, we are enemies to God. And the Holy Spirit shows up on behalf of heaven to advocate the father's plans for you because the enemy has done an amazing job of convincing you that God hates you and that God is mean and he wants to destroy you. And so the Holy Spirit comes behind you and that's what we would call our conscience, Right? And says, hey, God really doesn't want you to do that. You, you might not want to go this direction. In fact, based on the plans that God has for you, if I looked at your file, in about 10 years, you're going to have like a multi-million dollar business, billion dollar, you're going to put Amazon out of business. And so this chick that you're in the club with right now, that ain't going to help you. So I'm just trying to warn you right now, you might want to leave her alone. This brother looks good, but he's got about four or five other women all around Tri-Cities. And you are not in his future. So based on heaven, 
I'm just representing God to tell you this is not a good idea. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's our advocate. Jesus continues uh, what I have here in verse 12 and 13. This is what he says. He says, there is much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. Jesus is like, if I told you everything, you couldn't handle it. It's too much. Too much for you to handle. So when the spirit of truth comes, which is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. Look what, look what it says here. He will not speak on his own. Right? He's speaking on behalf of the Father, but will tell you what he has heard. In his consulting meeting with the Father, he's asking, what do you have in store for them? Cool. Got it. Let me go break it down. And look what he says. He will tell you about the future. He will guide you into all truth. That's the truth that you can't see. That's the truth that we can't figure out. That's the truth about our blind spots and our opportunities. The Holy Spirit has a 360 camera on the perspective of our life. And he's able to guide us based on what God has planned for us. And he says, when the time is right, I'm going to lead you into all truth. Does that make sense? So the work of the Holy Spirit, let me say it this way, is a process. It's a process. Here's where it shows up practically. Here's a practical, two practical examples of how the Holy Spirit shows up in your life. First one would be the Holy Spirit helps you become aware of what is right. Anybody had that experience? Like, you know what? I should help this guy. You know what? I should go and talk to them. You know what? This is probably the right thing to do. And sometimes it's not what you normally would do, right? But you're just aware of it. You're like, wait a minute. This is the right thing to do. This is not what I would normally do, but this is the right thing. That's the Holy Spirit leading you. I probably shouldn't do this. Or I probably should do, you know what? I should leave. That's the Holy Spirit. Here's the other way it shows up, which is kind of the opposite, but it's really holistic. The Holy Spirit helps us become aware of what is wrong. Now here, here's, here's what's deep about it. Sometimes we don't become aware of what's wrong until we actually do what's wrong. Right? Like we do it and we know it's wrong, but here's the difference. It feels wrong. Before it didn't feel wrong. Before it felt right. This is good. I got a bottle of Hennessy, right? And I'm good. This is a good idea. I'm going to finish this whole bottle of Hennessy right now. But now, when you drink the Hennessy, I don't know if I should do that. Now, when you watch it, mm, now when you kick it with them, it don't feel the same. And, and sometimes what scares you is that God makes you aware of these things at the weirdest times. Like you might be reading your Bible or trying to do right, and God's like, Boom, you got this crazy thought coming across your head. Like, what was that? Like, I was, I was praying. Why did I just feel like this? Why did that song just come in my head? Like, I wasn't even thinking about DLC. Well, y'all know what that is. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You're like, wait a minute, I'm in worship right now. 
And Snoop Dogg is just all in my head. And you know what God is doing? He's like, yeah, I'm just letting you know what's in there. I'm not shaming you. I'm just letting you know I'm working on you. I'm just keeping you aware. This is what I want to encourage you. Listen, if you mess up, just keep going. Not in the mess up. Did that make, that didn't sound right, did it? (laughs) If you mess up, just keep going. Just smoke all of it. Just go ahead. (laughs) Keep going. My advice, go all the way to the bottom. No, that's not, Jesus will say, I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say, pay, pay attention to the Lord working on you. See, something led you here today. That was the Holy Spirit. Because if you really had a choice, like really had a choice, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could be doing right now. Right? Can we be honest? There's a lot of things you could have done. But the Holy Spirit drew you today. He says, just show up. And that's how God works on you. Man, I'm running out of time. Can I, can I just, can I have like 10 more minutes? Is that okay? Okay, I'm sorry. I know. I, know. I, try, I try to get done. Just give me a, just give you a little more time because this is really good. I, I really want you to see this. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to break this. I want to try to break this down as fast as I can. Because I want you to see this. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Reading from there. Two verses. With the Lord's authority, I say this. This is Paul writing this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. And and who he's writing to? He's writing to basically saying, don't live what the culture lives. So Gentiles for us would be what dominant culture tries to influence us to do. Look what he says. Their minds are full of darkness. Ever see people's minds just full of darkness? Uh Uh-huh. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and they have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Can I break it down this way? They don't feel anything. Here's where I get nervous. Here's what I would be concerned about. When I'm in the house of God and I don't feel nothing. When I'm around people that I love and I don't feel nothing. When the things that used to speak to me, when the people in my life that were important to me, I don't feel anything. All I can be consumed is with what what I want. That's a problem. When you can be married to the person that you love, and be like, I don't feel nothing. Right? Like when you, when you go to places that you know God shaped you in and built you up. And you're just like, I, I'm just numb. Because people who don't feel anything are dead. Right? That's a sign that something's wrong. Is when you don't feel nothing. When you're knocked out, when they give you medicine and knock you out. You're kind of dead in a sense. Because you don't feel it. You don't feel the pain. You don't feel anything. And these people are so dark that all they do is chase the next high, the next love. They're trying to feel something, but they're not really feeling anything. Does that make sense? And so the fact that you walk in the door and you feel a little bit of a struggle, like you're mad at somebody, it actually means you have feelings for them because you care about how they treat you. The moment you walk in and you don't even care less what happens to them. 
It's called indifference, and that's a problem. The moment you drive by the homeless person or drive by, and you don't feel nothing. Now, sometimes, you know, you drive by the person, you're like, I ain't giving this dude no money. You need to stop playing, right? I do that sometimes. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. You ain't, no, you hustling today. Not today, man. I ain't doing it. But other times you walk by, you're like, you know what? That's for them. And you feel it. When you just drive by and you don't even see them, I'm talking about people who have given their life to God. I'm talking about people who are supposed to be breathing and pumping that spiritual heart that God gives us. There's a problem. Here's what, he keeps, here's what he says. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Oh, sorry. Verse 20. But this is not, isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw away your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. In other words, don't fight the feeling. Don't fight it. Like when God's showing you, yeah, you messed up. Don't go to the temptation like, ah, I didn't really mess up. This isn't so bad. Like, look, I used to do this. Now I don't do that. I'm not as bad as this person. No, don't, don't. That's fighting that feeling. That's fighting what God is trying to show you. You know what? That was real messed up. That was real foul. And I want to let you know. So here's your opportunity. Let's just take that off. And let's, you can't trust that anymore. Let's put on something new. Let's try this. Let's do something different. Don't fight the feeling. So here's really, here's what I wanted to tell you. I, I just wanted to tell you this. And this is why I want to encourage you. Because each one of you have been chosen and you've been called to live differently. So that you can live the best life God has for you. And the point is don't fight it. Don't be ashamed of it. Like some of you, you were raised in church. Praise God for that. Right? Praise God for being raised in church. I think that's pretty cool. I really do. And the thing is, like, you know who are some of the worst people? People who are raised in church. <laughs> you know why? Because they're fighting. And you know who they're fighting? They're fighting God. They're fighting everything they've been taught. Some people have never been taught anything. Never been taught anything right. They've only been taught something wrong. Everybody in their life taught them something wrong. Everybody in their life. But you know what? That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit wasn't walking with them. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit wasn't working with them. And some people who live that way got more sense than people who have been raised in the church. Because people who are raised in the church, they learn how to fight God. And they fight him real good. And they show up and they look amazing. And they're in the church service like they show up every single week. But you know what? They don't feel nothing. They don't feel tragedy. They don't feel pain. They don't feel loss because they're constantly self-medicating themselves. And they fight God so much they don't want to feel it. But you know what? When you allow God to lead you and say, you know what? I'm just going to I'm not going to fight it. This might hurt me, but I'm not going to fight it. This might stretch me, but I'm not going to fight him. This might be confusing. This might make me vulnerable, but I'm going to fight it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to push forward. I got like two minutes. 
I need to read you this. And I want you to read it at home if you get time. If you get time today. And I scratch that. Make some time. Make some time to read this. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 15. Right, 16. It's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. This is the story of King David. And King David didn't start off as a king. Let me break down how we started off. Read this. This is, this is where we are first introduced to him. And he's one of the greatest songwriters and warriors in the Bible. And you know what David did? David was a hot mess. His whole life is on, like, his whole life is in the Bible. Everything he did wrong. But you know what David did, that he did, didn't do? He didn't fight God. But this is where it starts. Verse, six, verse chapter 16, verse Samuel. Now the Lord said to Samuel, who is the prophet, he says, you have mourned long enough for Saul. Now Saul was the current king, and Saul, God was done with Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Here's the first thing I want you to know real quick. There are things that God has already decided about you, but you don't know about it. God has already decided that he's going to remove this person and put you there, and you don't even know about it. God's already decided you're the one that's going to do this. You're the one that's going to break the code. You're the one that's going to build this legacy. You're the one I'm choosing to lead. I've already decided to remove this person. And I'm choosing you. So Samuel goes over. Samuel says, how do I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord explained. Take a a cow with you. And say that you've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I'll show you which one of his sons is is to anoint for me. So anointing meant they were going to be the king. And so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. He got to Bethlehem. The elders came scared because when the prophet, when this prophet showed up in these days, it was not a good thing. When the pastor came over to eat, that meant somebody was getting ready to die. That's what that meant back then. <laughs> What's wrong? They said, why are you coming? Where's the, why the pastor? Why are you here? Some of y'all give me that face when I show up. Pastor, what, what you doing here? You should have called me first. I will call you first if I come visit. Don't worry about it. Did you come in peace? He said, yes, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves, come with me. So Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel took a look at Eliab, sorry, thank you, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Right? Saul was looking around at the sons. He was like, there he is right there. Good, handsome looking brother right there. That's got to be the next king. But the Lord said, don't judge by his appearance or height. Praise the Lord. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's good right there. God doesn't choose people based on what they look like. He likes to exalt people who live humble lives. So I ain't looking at how good you look. A lot of people can come to church and look real good. God ain't thinking about that. He's looking at the heart. He says, yeah, they look like a hot mess right now, but I'm getting ready to anoint them. I'm ready to put some oil on them. And so, where are we at? And so then, then Jesse told Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, no, this ain't the one either. Then he sent 
Jesse summoned Shimea, and, and Samuel said, "Now nah, he ain't the one. He brings out everybody. He brings all seven. They're like, this ain't the one. And Samuel says, are these, do you have any sons left? Jesse says, well, there is the youngest. Anybody ever felt overlooked by their father? Everybody felt like your father treated you like he didn't exist? Because Samuel said, bring all your sons. And Jesse's like, oh, I forgot about the other one. I forgot about him. She says, you bring all your sons? He's like, oh, yeah, there is the youngest. But he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. He got a pretty busy job out there. Samuel says, send him right away. We will not sit down until he arrives. Everybody's standing up. They got to go wait for David. Runs out. They sent for him. So Jesse sent for him. Look at this. He was dark. He was short. And he was handsome. Praise God. Man, won't he do it with beautiful eyes? God is so good. And the Lord said, this is the one. That little short brother right there. Y'all left out. That's the one right there. He's dark. He's short. He's handsome. He ain't tall with a beard and muscles. He don't play the bass. He's short. <laughs> so, so David, David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came upon, came powerfully upon David. Look at this. This is my favorite part of the story. From that day on, then Samuel returned to Ramah. Here's, this is what's deep about this. This whole story, verse 13, is the first time they even say his name. The youngest the other guy, David. And here's what I love about it. God knows your name. And he's anointing you for your future. David didn't become king right away. But David said, God said, your next step is that you need to be anointed. Your next step is I'm going to call you king. You go back and keep the sheep for now. But right now, the spirit of the Lord is going to be upon you. And you're going to listen to him. And while you're out in the field, and while you're doing this, you're going to write songs. And you're going to write hymns. And you're going to practice your guitar. And you're going to practice killing the bear and the lion. And everything you did in private and in secrecy that was hidden, I'm going to use it when I bring you to the kingdom. And I just want to encourage you not to fight the feeling. And I want you to know right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be re-anointed, to be re-blessed, to be prayed over, for you to say, no, God has called me. And even though nobody knows my name, and I might be overlooked that there's a God in heaven who sees me and he prepares a table in front of me. The very people who cast me aside are going to have to stand and wait and see me standing in my right place. 
And look, I know the time is later than I usually do it, but this is what the Lord told me to do today. And I have not done I'm going old school because I haven't done this in a long time. Today, I'm going to make an appeal. And I'm going to make an appeal for you to make your next step, whatever that is. Next week, we're going to have a baptism. And some of you need to make that step because the baptism is really your anointing. When you're baptized, you are anointed for ministry. Some of you need to make that step. Somebody has already made that decision. But for some of you, you need to make that step. You need to just make that your next step. Others of you, you have a different next step. And I don't know what it is. But I've asked this praise team to sing this song. And it's a lyric that David himself wrote. This song is based on something that David wrote. And it's based on his experience being honored in front of his brothers as he was cast aside. And this is how I'm going to do it. We're going to do it old school. And as they sing, what I'm going to ask you to do is be brave, be bold, be courageous. I want you to slip out of your seat, and I want you to come and stand down to the front. And when you come and stand down to the front, I'm going to pray for you, and then you get to go back and sit down in your seat. Not going to take too much time, but we're going to do it old school. And if there's something inside of you that you feel, don't fight that feeling. If God is, pour, is speaking to you right now and stirring your stomach or whatever it is, I'm, I don't know what how you feel it. For me, I feel a little nervous when God starts talking to me. However, you God responds to you. I want you to don't. I want you to fight the feeling. I want you to stand up. I want you to be courageous. I want you to be bold, and I want you to come down front. For some of you, we need to just start praying right now. You need, maybe it's not your time today, but you need to pray for someone else. So we're going to sing 